You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Stem cell science is widely regarded as poised to revolutionise medicine. A report from the Australian Academy of Science argues Australia could become the world leader in stem cell science. I'm education editor James Wells, and I'm joined by Victor Chang Institute stem cell expert Professor Richard Harvey to discuss this. The report argues that Australia is poised to be at the forefront of stem cell research. Could you tell us um, a bit about what role Australian universities have to play in this to become a reality? I think the first thing to say is that Australia has a very strong legacy um, in in stem cell research and and its you know its translation into application. And, um, you know, many developments uh, that have been pivotal to this field have been uh, made uh, in Australia and uh, they participated very strongly, for example, in in the technique of bone marrow transplantation uh, in human uh, embryonic stem cell um, uh, science. Um, and um, and IVF, in fact, is, is really uh, arguably a stem cell technology. So there's no reason why... Uh, we can't stay at the forefront of this um, of this very important uh, area of science as long as it's uh, well supported. And uh, so, what role does university do universities play? I mean, they, they play a very important role, and I think in particular in putting together hubs uh, of researchers that um, uh, that can innovate in this space in basic science and also in in translational science, and uh, as well as the allied. Areas such as commercialization, intellectual property um, uh, protection, and um, in particular in um, moving innovations through to application and, and clinical trials. What are some of the barriers that universities face in realizing their role? I think the will is there. Um, I think everyone recognizes stem cell science is, you know, is very important. In fact, you know, we all believe, in fact, that it heralds a revolution in medical practice. Um, we've seen uh, we've seen developments that, that have led to a Nobel Prize in 2014. Enter the clinic in 2000 to 2012. Enter the clinic in, in 2014. Just two years later. So uh, this is really moving fast, and um, uh, Australia is is struggling, I think, to to keep up its profile. And I think that it's because it's moving so fast. And and so the barriers, I, I suppose, are, are vision and funding. And how is it that you can put together um, uh, strategies and structures and infrastructure to to maintain it at the cutting edge? And I think that needs to become a national strategy um, for for the sector over the next uh, next years. This report also argues that interdisciplinary collaboration between researchers is essential. Could you give us maybe an example of, of this that um, would work well? Look, historically, you know, some of the greatest breakthroughs in biology have come from the collaboration between biologists and, you know, physicists and mathematicians and uh, physical scientists, etc. So there's no, there's no, um, there's no difference here. Um, stem cell science involves uh, large data sets. When we analyse the uh, genes being expressed in a particular tissue or even now individual cells. We need bioinformaticians to integrate that data to assess its quality, uh, then to analyze it. And out of that comes new ideas about the networks of genes that control the identity of cells and the behavior of cells. And another obvious example is uh, the collaboration between biologists and, and tissue engineers. This is critical for developing new therapies that rely on cell and, and stem cells 
to um, to replace lost tissue uh, in in uh, disease and injury situations. So they're two examples. I come back to barriers again. It, what can be done to get stem cell research out of its disciplinary silo and, and collaborating with other disciplines and even industry as well? I think there's a will to do that, and it's certainly a trend internationally. There are so many uh, fellowships, for example, for young people um, that uh, more or less insist on an interdisciplinary platform for for the work. So this is not really new, and uh, it, but it has to be integrated into our education system uh, very early on. Um, we need to encourage people to to um, straddle different worlds and, and, and I suppose you know with focus comes great depth but um, it's a changing world in science and, and we need to, to have an appreciation a biologist needs to have an appreciation of how to analyze large data sets bioinformatically they, d- they don't necessarily have to be an expert but they have to be um, uh, sufficiently adept uh, in in knowing how the um, pipeline, how the analysis pipeline should proceed and where to go to find uh, experts. So um, I think it very much lies uh, at the feet of the universities, how we train people uh, and the medical research institutes as well. Do we just put them into a lab and, and, and focus, 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 or do we um, do we to some degree back off, become generalists and bring uh, interesting people together in, in an interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary way? What can be done to help researchers get their stem cell research out through the pipeline into healthcare? Well, that's a big question. And um, um, what are the barriers? Well, firstly, uh, therapies have to be based on on good science, evidence-based science. And as you probably know, there's uh, a lot of therapies, unproven therapies going ahead in clinics uh, in Australia and around the world that are not necessarily based on, on evidence um, so that's the first criteria. It has to be good science, and there's still a lot to, to learn about um, uh, stem cell biology. On the one hand, we've got uh, <clears throat> we've got new therapies uh, entering the clinic, um, you know, for retinal for macular degeneration based on on stem cells uh, grown in a dish, um, uh, or retinal epithelium grown from stem cells in a dish. We've got tr- clinical trials. Uh, beginning uh, for um, neurodegenerative diseases and for um, um, inflammatory diseases of, of the gut, for example. So, so this is very, this is happening very fast, and very exciting. On the other hand, there are many other therapies that are a long way from uh, application, and um, we're just going to have, have to knuckle down and get smarter about um, those. Um, some of the some of the barriers to, to having those things work, and that just requires a good scientific infrastructure uh, and um, uh, support to keep the science going. In the end, um, we need to train people in translational science as well as uh, a good laboratory science. There needs to be a, um, uh, a sector of our research community that knows how to take innovations into the clinic and to commercialise them. Um, and then probably we need to address how we can make the road to clinical trials and regulation and, and uh, um, uh, to, in the application space uh, a little bit more streamlined. And I note under the government's uh, innovation and science statement, they're, they're, they're earmarking some money for um, uh, translational support of translational uh, pipelines. Would the centre to accelerate clinical translation, which was mentioned in the report, would that help? Yeah, it's always a grand gesture, isn't it, to, to demand a centre. But I think um, 
um, we don't have a, a, a centre that covers all of the spaces that we need to cover uh, in Australia. We've certainly got um, departments and um, uh, institutes that are dedicated to regenerative science. But there are the, you know, very basic science-oriented and lack the pipeline to clinical translation, um, or, or they're more medically uh, focused, clinically focused. Um, I think it would be great in Australia to have the universities stand up and, and really commit to building uh, centres of excellence on campus, affiliated with hospitals, um, where we can uh, champion. Uh, regeneration biology, stem cell biology in all its dimensions. That's a big ask, I know, but that's what we need in Australia because that's what other people have got uh, overseas and that's and that's what we're competing against. Um, it's a matter of support and it's a matter of vision and uh, we, we need to be lobbying for that sort of outcome. Do you think universities are willing to do this? <laughs> you know, I think the will is there. Um, uh, whether, whether, it, whether this can be... Um, whether you know in these uh, periods of austerity, whether the infrastructure funds are there to to do this, um, right at this point in time, I think it might there might be a struggle. I think when some of these therapies come online, and the writing is clearly on the wall about the revolution in in medical research that stem cell biology will will bring, then I think uh, we're in a better position to uh, convince them that such centres of clinical excellence and research excellence that form uh, key hubs in the community and, and for Australian science are, are worth um, developing. Just one last question. Is the uh, debate about stem cell ethics still a barrier to pursuing research? That's a good question. And, and you know, the answer is no, except we have to be very careful that our reputations as stem cell scientists do not fall into disrepute because of the activities of a minority of clinicians who are selling um, dubious uh, products, more or less snake oil products, um, uh, to, to vulnerable patients for commercial gain. And so I think there's more at stake than, than just protecting the patients. There's a, the, it's the reputation of science generally, and we enjoy an enormous amount of trust from the community as scientists. It's our reputation as scientists and uh, stem cell uh, biology and stem cell therapies in particular. And uh, I think we've been lucky in Australia and that, that I'm not aware of anyone who's come to harm, but I think there is potential for harm with those therapies and, and the landscape will change dramatically uh, as soon as we have patients that have been um, treated with stem cell therapies or so-called stem cell therapies um, that end up uh, being uh, less well uh, afterwards than they were in the beginning and uh, in part because they're being denied state-of-the-art uh, medical therapy.